0: Series called Call to Follow, and it's about discipleship. It's about the calling that Jesus gave to his disciples, saying, uh, You know, if, if you want to be fishers of men, come and follow me. And Lach uh, Ikorai was the statement that Jesus made to his disciples Lach Ikorai, come follow me. And um, so this, uh, it's, it, it comes out of uh, the discipleship, comes out of the Great Commission go into all the world and make disciples. It's important that we understand that the Great Commission was to go make disciples, not just Christians. Because the idea of just making a Christian is someone that just believes. But what God desires is that we would not just believe that we would become like him. This disciple that lived in the, in the day of Christ would have been someone that would have taken on the traits of Jesus. They would have followed him so closely that they started talking like him, acting like him, so that when he left, they became him. They were a physical representation of Jesus when he was gone. So that way they followed so closely so one day they can lead on his behalf. And those disciples made more disciples, and those disciples made more disciples, and here we are 2,000 years later, more than a billion Christians on earth, and the church is still growing and still excelling, and it's just a wonderful thing, but we want to make sure this calling, this series to me means so much. I don't know if it's affected you the way it has me, but I, this is my calling. I want to be a disciple. I want to be like Jesus. He is the most fascinating human that's ever walked the face of the earth. There's no one more beautiful through and through than Him. No one more wise. No one m- more influential. No one more gifted. I mean, the things that He has done, I want to do. I want to become like Him and, and love like Him. And so here we are. And uh, we, we've talked about this series over the last seven weeks. And here's some of the topics we covered. We talked about the cost to become a disciple of Jesus. It was week one. And uh, it's going to cost you everything, right? It says that, that uh, salvation is free. Discipleship will cost you everything. Week two, we talked about the Word of God. We said that you, know, you, you can't just be a student of yourself. If, if you're going to follow Jesus, you got to follow His teachings. you got to let your life line up with His life and, and learn Jesus. Week number three, we said hunger. It's impossible to be a student without hunger. I mean, you're just not going to learn something you're not interested in. That's just the way it is. And so if you're not eager to learn, all of this stuff is just going to roll right off your dome today. Uh, but if you're hungry, uh, you, then you'll, you'll, you'll soak this stuff up, and you, it'll become part of your nature. And you'll go to the Word the next week. Uh, four, we talked about prayer, how prayer is easier with the Holy Spirit. It becomes fun. Otherwise, prayer can be a chore. And when you partner with the Holy Spirit, it's easy. Uh, we talked about love. You'll know that my disciples, by your love for one another... Fear. Learning to overcome these things. We talked about, last week we talked about faith. Brady preached. Some of you have told me it was fantastic and he needs to speak more is what I've heard from several of you guys. And Brady said, Tim, I don't care if you go out of town, but I will not preach anymore. (laughs) Boo this man! Boo! Boo. Who wants me to leave more often? Yay! (laughs) Alright. I like this. Okay. Okay. So, uh, so this week we're talking about a topic um, that is going to be important if we want to become like Jesus, and it's sin. Um, and sin is, can be, oh man, I don't want to talk about that stuff, that's crazy. Uh, listen, it's going to be hard to become like Jesus with sin in our life, because He is blameless, and He is without sin. Now what I think is funny is that as I would think, of, if a lot of us were writing this series, they would put sin first. But what I find in the body of Christ and in the disciples, even themselves, is that Jesus wasn't always worried about the things that they struggled with because it's a process of Christianity. And what I mean is, I am not saying that he, does, he is okay with sin. It's not what I'm saying. He's not intimidated of the timeline of the process, of the stuff that's going on in our lives. You have to catch a fish before you can clean a fish. And I've learned, I've seen so many people say, man, I can never go to church. As soon as I go in there, the church would instantly burn down. Like, it would just be terrible. Like, like, God just wants you, and He's going to work out all that stuff. But all that stuff inside of you, it's got to come out, and we're going to deal with it. Does that make sense? But, so point number one today is that I've learned about sin is that God is far more patient with sin than His people are. He is far more patient. Like he, He's actually pretty chill. There was a season in my life where um, I forgot. Like I, I had seen signs and wonders. I had gone. I traveled the nations. Oh, we need to pray, real quick. Can you guys? Can we pray? <laughs> Jesus, help. Amen. Um, and so uh, if uh, um, I had traveled and I'd, I'd seen some things and I'd been a part of some miracles where God did like crazy things where people that were deaf had their ears open. I mean, I had seen God do great things. And yet in this season, I found myself in a spot where I didn't know what God wanted for my life. I was confused. Everything was upside down. I learned this verse. And I thought it was really cool. Talking about patience with sin, that his church needs to have more patience. He says this, the Lord said in Ma- Ma- Micah chapter 6, verse 8. I actually named my son because of the clarity that I got from this verse. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. What does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Another translation would say this is God's will for you, to act justly. To love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. I've learned that some of the church, man, we don't understand. When someone else has got an issue in the body of Christ, we don't know how to deal with that. I mean, we blast them. If they don't talk like us or act like us or think like us or vote like us, we don't know how to have fellowship with them. And I want you to know that in my experience, now I don't know about anyone else, but that's not how God has operated with me. And I only know that because His Holy Spirit has remained with me when I didn't act like Him. I sure as heck didn't talk like Him. I wasn't wasn't treating other people like the way He treats. And His Holy Spirit yet remained faithful to me. And as faithful as God has been to you is how faithful you should be to others when they don't know how to respond like Christ. He's patient. And God is into this marriage thing for the end hall. I mean, He knows who He's with. And he's about to walk them through whatever it is they're dealing with. We just got to learn to be patient with people in the process of their love with God. Does that make sense? Wonderful. To love justice. To act justly and love mercy. I love that. Point number two today that I want to make sure you knew today about sin is that God is holy. Period. God is holy and he's calling us to himself. There's a cool scripture in Peter that says that, um, be holy for I am holy. If we're going to become disciples of Jesus, then we're going to have to figure out how do, we, how do we literally change all of our nature and become like the nature of God. This is a really difficult thing. Here's an illustration that I had seen some 14 years ago, 15 years ago, that I, it still sticks with me today. It's, it's really crazy and it's probably offensive to some of you today, but here we go. Um, this is a cup of water and uh, it's pure. But with the, in- the moment that I take away this lid, it's already contaminated. Uh, but if, let's say that um, I was to add like a drop of urine in here. And I was to ask some of you to drink it. It would instantly be offensive to some of you. And this is why it's really hard for us to understand the core of who God is. Because God is not like any human. He is holy. He is the only thing that is holy on this earth, and it's hard for us to encounter someone that is completely not like anyone we've ever seen or heard. Now, when we worship God, we worship God because He's He's a friend of ours or He's faithful or you know, but when the, we, we read in the scripture the angels who are next to Him and are beholding Him, they worship Him because He is holy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy. And it says that they've been actually singing this same song for billions of years now. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And it's like I don't understand that. And so what's weird is that like this God who is holy is calling me to himself, but he can't take me as I am. And what's weird is that I actually can't make myself holy. I don't know if you realize this, but there's nothing good we can do that can fix the wrong we've done. I lied. I was selfish. I can't now be good, and it changed what I did. It's who I was. Now, in the Old Testament, I don't know if some of you are aware of some of this, but this is this really terrible process that the Lord had of of helping fix us of the wrong that we did. What God realizes is that, and when we've done wrong at the core of who we are, our soul had, had actually had, had guilt. Like there was something that was going on on the core of the inside of you. And the only way to cleanse it was not by making you like one thing wrong, go and do 10 things right. No, what he said, what he realizes that here in order to get you reset you back to pure, to reset you back to holiness I've got to actually, here's, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take someone, something that is innocent. Like an animal that's pure. Now, I don't want you to take a goat that's got like two legs and it's on its last leg and you're just going to shoot, you know, no, 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 no. no. I want you to find a pure one that's perfect, that's done nothing wrong. We're going to take that animal and bring it to the house. And you're going to bring your whole family And come and you're going to pray your sins over this perfect animal. And then we're going to cut its throat. And what happens is, is the guilt of the reality of recognizing that this animal had done nothing wrong and didn't deserve it because I was an idiot. This was God's process of making us pure so we can be with him. And it was awful. And this process now of like God is holy and he's calling us to himself, it's important because we've done wrong and we want to be right with him and the act of cleansing happens through the blood and we're going to get over that here in a minute. My, my third point I wanted to share with you guys just for a moment today is God hates sin, not the sinners. He hates sin. He does not hate Sinners, What I've learned is that in the body of Christ today and in mankind, there is a massive amount when the idea of God comes up, even in his church, of condemnation, of guilt, of shame, of like, I've done wrong, I am a dog with fleas, I stink. And, and like, I want you to know that, that God does not hate people as far as everything that i've learned and everything i've read and everything god loves people of all different shapes and sizes like everything that's done wrong from hitler like i know that that's an extreme really can god do that? let me show you a verse that if it doesn't define this there's nothing you can do that can make god love you less it's who he is let me show you this verse in first timothy our apostle paul is reading this and, and he says this, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus he came into this world to save sinners of whom I'm the worst. Now here's the leader of the church saying I'm the worst sinner on the planet. God save me. And you're like, come on, Apostle Paul, really? Like you're not really the worst. Dude. And he's like, well listen, you don't know me? You, don't, you weren't there? When I saw the look on the man's face that was innocent and loved God and I stoned him to death. I took a man's life that was innocent because I wanted to be righteous. I'm the worst kind of people on the world and Jesus came to save me. Now, well that's kind of good news for me. Though I can be selfish and greedy and I can be a jerk sometimes. I ain't killed anyone recently. So I mean I feel like if God can like this guy then I qualify. Anyone else? I need you to know that because I know that some of you have done wrong. But there will never be a time where God hates you. And there will never be a time where God hates your neighbor because you don't like him. Because you think that they listen to their music too loud at the wrong times of the night. Like God doesn't hate them. He loves them. And if we're going to be like Christ, we have to line up, realign our thinking about what's an inconvenience in our life and figure out how we act like him. If we're going to become like him. He doesn't, he hates sin. He doesn't hate sinners. Oh yeah, I wanted to tell you this real quick. There's this story I want to share like, about, my, about my kids. Like, as a father, I do, I do hate sin. I hate sin in my children. Now my kids don't go around doing malicious, ugly things. No, their sin starts small, just like it is currently in all of us. And I can recognize it. when my son, like if he was, if he was ever to, to struggle with, with, with hating a classmate, uh, maybe it'd be racism, or maybe it'd be—I don't know. I would hate that in him, but I would never hate him. If my son, who—if who, he would ever struggle with fear or insecurities, like like for example, I, somebody, I told some of you guys, like if we ever um, went to the to to, to to Disney, my son doesn't like going on roller coasters. I hate it in him because he's a—he loves. There is no one I've ever met on earth that loves fun more than my son no one. He is, he is fun. That's his middle name. Yet he's afraid of roller coasters. And it's fun. And my thought is like if you would get over the fun and the insecurity and the fear then you could enjoy so many cool things. And I hate that in him. If my daughter w- would ever struggle with like unforgiveness and like she's like I don't want to forgive that person. I don't want to like them. They're mean. I would never hate her. But I hate what's happening inside of her. I hate what that thing is doing to her, and I hate the ramifications that's going to happen for the rest of her life. And my daughter, if she was selfish and, and didn't want to give her stuff away, or she wanted to hoard it all to herself, I would never hate her. But I hate what's happening inside of her. God doesn't hate you or them. He hates what's happening inside of them, but he loves them. And I hate how we as the body of Christ can get that confused and judge others who may be selfish or racist or, or angry or fearful, but not see it happening in ourself. Like, like, it, like, I want you to know God loves us and he receives us and he just, and it's a big deal. It's a big deal that we don't, we don't treat fear lightly. Or anger or racism or any of these things, like we don't we, we attack that crap. We, we, we fight it. Yeah. Point number four: God is not mean. I thought this was a cool one. God is not mean. I think there's a lot of people that think that God is up there with just a whole bunch of rules, like like he's just He hates sin. So he hates like like why? Why is he mean to all these people? Why can't he why won't he let all these people into heaven? Like, what's the purpose of hell? God is sitting on a throne and he's a mean, 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 mean God. No, God is a God of absolute love. As a parent, I have learned and I have watched. Like, forget me as a whole and my home. Good parents discipline their kids. Period. You watch kids that grow up and don't have discipline in their life and they grow up unruly, without respect, and they get themselves in trouble. Structure is good for anyone and God knows what's good for you. And when you live life outside of the boundaries that He is trying to design for you, it's only designed to do good for you. Now there's a lot of things that I think, I'm old now, I can make my own decisions. It, I don't care, it's, it's not going to hurt me like this. Here's a good example of how sin can be hurtful. I'm going into my next point, but it's not a big deal. I'll, I'll, do, I'll come back. Sin can be hurtful even if you're a grown-up. For example, I'm in a relationship with this beautiful woman, smoking hot. I don't know if you her name's Teresa. She's the most beautiful girl in every room she ever walks in. I love her. And uh, she, uh, if, if uh, me as an adult, I can eat whatever I want. You know? I can drink whatever I want. I can eat whatever I want. But my wife would not agree with that. Because... She wants me to grow old with her. So she wants me to take care of myself. Wives, there's a lot of wives in this room that are telling their husbands, you need to go to the doctor. You need to go get that thing checked out. Why? Because they love them so much that they want to have rules. Like, hey, look, if you take care of yourself, then we can grow old together. There's good boundaries and good like, things that, like, if you do what the Lord says, there's life. You don't do that because you're an adult and you're in control and you got this. You don't got nothing. There's a reason why it's wisdom. Eat healthy. It's good for us. And if you don't, it's okay. You'll still be a child of God. But you'll struggle. And life will have... There's consequences. And it'll suck eventually. That's good preaching right there. I don't know if you have... (laughs) God is not mean. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And I, I, that whoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. The reason why God can show you love is that he has came to this earth and showed you the right way to go so you wouldn't get hurt. So you can live life like in a safe, good, healthy structure. And I have found such rest in his order, in his law for my life. I hope that you'd learn to trust it. Because just as a father would tell their kids, you can't just eat Oreos, dude. Sorry. Because it's good for you. Because I know what's going to happen in two hours from now when you're throwing yourself on the ground screaming, crying, because you had a sugar rush, and now you crash, and now you hate life and everyone else in this world. You can't eat Oreos, you know. <laughs> but that's what we would do, right? Who wouldn't, if we knew it was okay, we would just eat ice cream all the time. Like, is there anything like that? Why not? It's It's good. Anything that I like must be good for me. I don't know if we know this, but like wisdom would say that just because you like it doesn't mean it's good. Just because it feels good doesn't mean that it's good. In fact, a lot of the things that feel good actually can be really harmful to you. Cool. Cool. I was thinking, I was praying, uh, this last week I, I was in Georgia and we were on a, on a little river and uh, there was a fire down there and I was sitting and I was praying for you guys. And it was so, so good, man. It was wonderful. No one was around. There was no music, no cell phones, no kids crying, no one asking me and begging me and hitting their sister. And it was, it was all just wonderful. It was great. And I was praying for you. And God was able to speak to me so clearly. You guys, it was, oh, it was so wonderful. You should Listen, God's will for all of us is that we get away. Skip church and go on vacation with him. (laughs) Not many preachers will tell you that. But Sabbath is good. What is sin? I prayed and I felt like the Lord wanted me to tell you this. Sin is anything that hurts God. I forgot that sin hurts God. Sin hurts him. In the same way, I'm in a relationship with this beautiful woman, and I've realized that there's a lot of things that I can do that can hurt her and cause some really um, difficult things inside of her. For example, I'm a guy, and I don't know if you know this. You should pray for your pastor. I struggle with lust. I had a pastor uh, who was, uh, Pastor Carl Strader, he was like 110 years old when he told me this, but he... um, He said to me, uh, if, uh, if, as I was uh, 19 at the time, and he said, hey, look, if you don't struggle with lust, you have a gland in your body that's not working properly, and you probably need to go get that checked out. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? He's like, God made you with hormones. That's just the way it is. You got hormones. You got to, figure, you got to control them. And it's really difficult for me. If, I'm, if, if I choose to react to what the urge is in my body, it could cause a lot of hurt to my wife. I'm in this relationship with her, and it's a beautiful relay. I got a good thing going. And if I choose to not listen to some of the needs and desires she has, it can cause a lot of damage. Sin is destructive. Like if I look the other way, it tells her that she's not good enough. Or that she's not the most beautiful. And I've had to train my eyes to tell myself over and over again, I only have eyes for her. I only have eyes for her. I only have eyes for her. I have to control the things that I see. So it doesn't do damage. There is a lot of stuff in our life that can do a lot of damage that you may not realize is happening right now. You know, like laziness? That's not a, that doesn't do it. No, laziness is a destructive sin. We think about it like, ah, oh, I'm just lazy. It's fine. We joke about it. Yeah, all right. Here's how. You're talented, gifted, wise, and have all of these gifts in you, but you're lazy and won't use them. Look at all the destruction you're doing by doing nothing. Didn't one of the presidents say that uh, to, to, to know to do right and not do it, it to, that's a scripture. To know to do good and not do it is a sin. Man, look at how wisdom that was right there. I just can't. That's the Holy Spirit blessing you right there with a fresh verse. All right. Sin hurts God. How do we overcome sin? Uh, I want you to remember that uh, you can't. Only Jesus can overcome sin. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow. Help me, Rachel. That makes me white as snow. No. learned is i've i've done wrong and i can't fix it only he can jesus said i am the way i am the truth and i'm the life and no one will come to the father but by me and so i want you to know that the wrong that you've done there is guilt there and i want you to know that god like the greatest the greatest moment of my life was the day that he washed Scripture says that God demonstrates his love for us. While while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I I don't know if you know this, but um, I think many of us believe in heaven, and some of us are trying to get there. And I want you to know, as someone who has studied God and has made him the object of my life, I have set my life to understand him. You can't get to heaven but Jesus can take you there you're never going to do anything to make it right it's only going to be done by him and the moment you set that the moment you figure that out I promise that something will happen on the inside of you that it'll be 100% clear you just got to let go and surrender how do I overcome sin one, it's only in Jesus number two I want you to understand today that I I, I have seen and I hear and I know that in even in this church, it plagues Christianity in America is guilt and condemnation. And the scripture says in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, that there is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ. And there are a lot of you that don't feel righteous enough, that you feel like you don't deserve God enough, that you haven't, man, I just, I'm just, i not good enough for Jesus. You're right. You're not good enough for anything that you've been given in your life. You're not good enough for him. You're not good enough for the partners that God has put in your life, for your family, for your parents, for your children, for your siblings. You're not good enough for your job. You don't deserve your health. There are so many people right now that are dying of cancer that deserve to live, and we've done some things. That's the beauty of God, is that he's, He wants you. That's what love is, is that He just, He picked you, and He wants you, and you choose to accept that or not. But what you're dealing with right now in your life is a process. There's two theologies in Scripture that's so important for us to learn Uh, I I had to remind myself I forgot the word earlier today that justification happens in a moment Jesus be my Lord bam you are now my son I love you you're perfect now there's a process called sanctification that's going to happen and it may take forever let me show you about some of the sanctification in people in the Bible I know there's some folks struggling with sin in their own life today there's this guy named Peter leader of the church right Leader of the church, he's about to start the church in 40 days. And 40 days earlier, he took a sword, swung it at someone's face, and cut someone's ear off. Leader of the church. Can you imagine if T.D. Jakes today took a sword and cut someone's ear off? I don't want that guy leading my church. Heck no! guy's crazy. He ain't the only one. Let me tell you about David. A man after God's own heart. Man. He got his best friend's wife pregnant and murdered his best friend. This guy's crazy. And yet, he was so unremorseful about the whole situation. Nathan, the prophet, came to him and said, hey, let me tell you what you did. Let me tell you a story about two people that was just crazy. And he told him the story about someone else that didn't exist. Hey, can you imagine if this would have happened? You know, what, what would you do if, if some guy murdered this person and, and, and had this affair? David's like, I'd kill him. I'd kill him. <laughs> David's like, it's good. It's you. You're the dude. And, and you know what's funny is as a church, we're so good at looking at other folks like they're wrong. It's them. It's them. Look at how bad they are. Look at how terrible they are. And it's happening inside of us, and God still loves us, and he still has a plan for you and he still desires you like it's so I want you to know I know that there are some people here that are struggling feeling like I'm not good enough great you are you're the perfect candidate for grace the last thing I want you to know to help you overcome sin is this just love Jesus more I think if you just love Jesus more, everything else will fall apart. Like, turn your eyes on Jesus. Like, hey, I'm struggling with drugs. I know. Turn your eyes on, to Jesus. Hey, I'm struggling with this addiction in my life. Turn your eyes on Jesus. Hey, I have this covetous problem. I should Turn your eyes on Jesus. Hey, I'm really fearful about my finances right now. I know. It's okay. Just, just look at Jesus. Like, it will, it will correct itself. Let me show you this cool verse here in, uh, in, in, in John chapter 14, verse 15. Jesus says this. If you love me, you'll obey what I command. Now, if you look at this at first glance, if you love me, you'll obey what I command. Some people hear, if you love me, you'll do what I say. But what Jesus is actually saying is, if you love me, don't worry. You'll already be doing what I'm saying. I'll prove it to you. I chose this woman that I live my life with, and because I love her, I'm going to choose not to look at these other women. Because I love her, I'm going to choose that when she's not with me, I'm going to act in integrity. Because I love her, I'm going to choose that I'm going to go to work every day for her. She doesn't have to ask me to do that. I'm going to do that because I love her. I'm going to come home, and if the house is a mess, I'm going to do my part and help her because I realize that she has the stress, and I'm going to wear it also so she doesn't have to wear it. We're going to do this thing together. If you love me, you'll already obey my commands. If you know that these things that we are doing that's in our, inside of us is hurting him, why would we want to do that to someone that has done so much for us? And so we have this nature inside of us. And if you don't see the things that are out of order that the Holy Spirit is speaking to us about, man, something is wrong. I want to let you know a secret that I believe wholeheartedly. I found this out a long time ago, and I believe that this is gospel. And I please pray that you, you search the scriptures and tell me wrong. But I I believe with all my soul that I I am not doing anything that that God won't, won't throw me out with as long as I can hear his voice. What I mean is, if I'm doing something wrong in my life and there's conviction, that is a good thing that you know that you're doing wrong. The seasons of our life is when we don't care that we're doing wrong. We're not listening for it. That's a destructive and dangerous moment in our life when we know that we're doing wrong and we don't even hear it anymore. We've turned off the reality that we're hurting our closest friend. This is dangerous. It's harmful. When you, know, when you hear God say, this is not good, that is a good place don't feel terrible about it. Don't, don't don't feel condemnation. God is actually speaking to you to encourage you.